What's up, everybody? I'm Avitaj, and welcome to a new episode of the Hell on to Beat podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my fellow co-host, Paula, a.k.a. Pokepaw. Hello, everybody. Today, we'll be doing our usual discussion of what we've beaten and what we've been playing. No retirements this week, which is maybe a good thing. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Then we're going to discuss some uh, our thoughts on gaming droughts and gluts and... You know, when you've got too many games to play or when you just can't find anything at all. Uh, then we're going to round it up with another run of our guessing game where I'm going to get quizzed and hopefully earn some points that I much, much need. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll pretty much do us for the day. So let's kick it off with Paula. What have you been, what have you beaten recently? Okay, so I've made a couple of smaller games. The first one being The Room Master's Diary. Which, by the way, is a game that a friend of mine made. Um, He made it like by by himself and Charlie, and I really much respect that. That being said, (laughs) um, I actually like the game, though I feel like a couple of things could have been done better, maybe like um, tied to the story a little bit, like to some dialogue what's iffy. But overall, I had fun with it. Would I recommend it to everyone and anyone? That is a hard one because it has like uh, some quirks that I feel like not everyone is going to enjoy, but those who enjoyed it are going to love it. So uh, first of all, my, my gaming session of this one started by being completely and utterly lost because I decided that it was a good idea to split like an game that lasted like an hour and something into two sessions very far mm-hmm. apart from each other <laughs> so i got lost um thankfully the map isn't that big so i could just fumble my way through it though i would have loved to have like any kind of direction or reminder of what i was supposed to do that is like one thing that i would um tell my friend to to include in his uh, next game, if if he does happen to follow up the Room Master Sari, more on that later. And mm-hmm. um, I was actually very close to finishing the game because the um, the only thing that was that I was missing was the actual the last battle of the game, and then like the story ending sequence of it. Okay. And so. Yeah, like the the overall um, structure of how the battle works can be a little bit confusing at times because you have to you don't select like one move you select like a series of moves um, at one time so you kind of like make a chain attack um, in a way and the uh, total damage to you will depend on how you chain these attacks together. Um, for the main character Mac, I didn't have like, I didn't find that much use of having like options because I didn't really, I wasn't really able to, to make him like do uh, his second moveset more than once because you actually need certain items to, um, to make a specific move. So for example, for um you you are able to stun enemies, but you need a 
a stone for it or a rock. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't picked up a rock, you may be actually fucked in some of these encounters, which <laughs> I was at some point. Uh, but even if you only have like the basic moveset, um, my friend actually did a very good job in giving you a way of um, of actually beating each one of the game's uh, enemies, even if you didn't have like the best uh, items around to um, to make like the most damage possible. So that is pretty much um, what's the word for it? I, I'm forgetting my English standard. Um, <laughs> well, I, I thank him a, a lot for that because at what at one point I was seriously worrying that I might be a soft lock on my progress, yeah. but then realized it was a matter of um, making the enemy attack one of my units. So it seems this game has some kind of aggro mechanic. So the last unit that may damage to a specific enemy is more often than not the one that's being attacked. So if you can play with that, uh, you can play with that in your favor. Uh, finally, the last segment of the story was actually like my favorite part of the story. Like the beginning of the game felt a little bit forced, uh, but the end of the game felt like legitimately uh, very, very um, uh, like impactful in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like he's um, storytelling like. Um, got better uh, as the game went on and Oops. finally he kind of like set up a possible sequel to the game <laughs> uh, it ended up in a bit of a cliffhanger at, some, uh, at the very end so I am hopeful that he will uh, be motivated enough to make the uh, second part of this tale mm. unless he just wanted to leave it like open ended and <laughs> Make everyone hate him for it. But anyway, <laughs> the second game that I uh, beat, and this one I beat in a single session, uh, which, by the way, uh, someone needs to congratulate me on this one because I got the game, I played the game, and I finished the game in like the same couple of hours. This doesn't <laughs> happen like every day. Yeah, that's achievement. Some, Yeah, some games just rot in backlog hell for a while before I remember I had them. So uh, A Tiny Seeker Tale is the game that I played on one of, uh, I think was like second to last Steam Next Fest or Steam Next Games Fest. I don't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> but it is a very, very adorable and wholesome game where you play as a little, um, I guess a donkey or a mule. I think it's a donkey because of the ears. Um, <laughs> And uh, you have the power to turn things and people into stickers and create it around in a little journal. Uh, which, by the way, it is like the art style is adorable. So the concept is even more adorable and the gameplay is absolutely endearing. Nice. And in this game, um, like you have an end goal. I'm not going to say it though. Yeah, like... Because it, the, the story isn't, like, that grandiose, so uh, spoiling, like, anything would be spoiling the whole story at this point. 
But the main yeah. mechanic is that uh, to you can like bring things from one screen to another. Like for example, trees. You can just put a couple of trees in your in your little journal, go to another screen, and like reorganize like all the vegetation there, uh, make it look like however you want. Um, cool. So for example, if an NPC asks you to find a certain amount of fish. You can just, well, first of all, you need a fishing rod, but having a fishing rod, uh, you're able to manually, like, drop the sticker of the fishing rod in the lake and fish, well, the fish. And uh, and then, instead of just talking to the, to the NPC and say, hey, I got the fish, you get to manually, like, get the fish to your, uh, to the pond that you want to degrade. So it has like a lot of inventory management, especially like in the early game before you get like the there because there's an upgrade. Uh before you get the upgrade, you really have to think what are you taking with you? Because uh in one hand you still you don't want to backtrack the screens all the time, even though there isn't like that big of a map. But mm -hmm. still, it can be, get a little bit cumbersome. But at the same time, uh, like you don't want to carry stuff that you're not gonna use like in a while. Yeah. Which I did end up doing anyway. Like <laughs> because everything, everything like looks so cute, and some some things like just look useful. So I just carried it with me until I finally got my tent and was able to decorate my tent with all the crap I got. <laughs> um. But yeah, you have to be consciously like making that decision of what you're carrying with you, and what can and what can uh, wait for later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, overall the game uh, only took me like a couple of hours to beat. Uh, the only reason that allowed me to just fit in in one sitting. But anyway, mm. uh, but I highly recommend it. Like it isn't that expensive. Um, there's like a couple of good hours of entertainment. If you think um, the price is worth it, like for uh, for that short of a for, of a game, I understand it. But this one is really worth it because of the uh, overall like production value be, uh, behind all of it. Like it really works. Like the only thing that kind of like got stupid at some point, there's like a tennis mini game. And right. I managed to get the ball trap in a corner, and I had to just grab the NPC that allowed me to play the mini game, put it in my sticker journal, and then put him back into the uh, <laughs> map to respawn the the tennis stuff. And that's all it takes to fix it. Like it's really well made uh, in like yeah. all things considered. So yeah, what have you been? Well, I've just beat a couple of games this week, which are both uh, fairly short because, um, well, I mean, the short answer is I've been upgrading my PC, so I haven't been playing as much as I usually would. Uh, so one game I played is a game called Storm Boy, which is a game that I feel like only it's only worth Australians who know the story playing because Storm Boy is a movie and it's a book that is a 
it's set in Australia. It's actually set near where I live. It's in the same state that I'm in. Um, and it's about a guy basically remembering his childhood and when he uh, rescued and raised a pelican on the beach and his relationship with the pelican. And uh, it's also touches on uh, indigenous um themes and ideas about nature and that sort of thing which is cool um and it's very much it's a classic story in australia that most people have grown up hearing at one point or another um i don't know if it really has made it anywhere else in the world but <laughs> i'd be surprised if it has to be honest it has to make uh, it here just... at the release <laughs> yeah it's just one of those like local stories that everyone kind of knows um and there's a movie that was made, I think, in the 70s, and they've just made made a new one that uh, came out in 2019. But the original was, like, ages ago. So it's quite the classic. Um, so I saw there was a game version of it. Um, but it was ultimately disappointing because it's kind of a crap game. Oh. It's the kind of game that makes, because of the historical significance of the story in Australian culture. It's one of those games that you feel like the government kind of gave someone a grant to make because of its significance, but it's kind of short and doesn't really do it justice. Um, it's kind of a shit game, but it's also not a very good representation of the story. So <laughs> it kind of fails on all points. Um, other than the fact that, you know, it is a game, someone made it and it, it's out, so fair enough. And it is cheap and, you know, they're not asking too much for it. But the way the story goes is essentially in the game, you you walk along the beach and the story gets told through voiceover, or not even voiceover, but just text on the screen. Um, and then you go to a new scene and you walk along the beach and the story gets told through text on the screen. And as you go, you kind of encounter mini games where like you'll stop and there's a bit where you find your raft. So you go rafting out onto the ocean and you can dive into the ocean and swim around underwater and find corals and plants and things. Uh, there's another mini game where you find some baby pelicans, which is part of the story, but you have to like throw food at them. And it's literally like a, remember that game, um, it came out when like smartphones were new and it, you, you like flick balls of crumpled up paper into a wastebasket. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of that, but you're flicking fish into the mouths of um, pelicans. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I forget, I forget what that game was called, but it doesn't matter. Um, so there's lots of little different mini games like that. I think there's about 12 of them all up or something. And that's kind of the meat of the gameplay for the game and the rest of it is walking around reading the story or a very shortened version of the story because it's obviously not that long um and yeah it's just unfortunately the controls are a bit janky in the mini games and i wasn't quite sure sometimes they contradicted itself as well like in one mini game maybe and i'm kind of making this up but to illustrate the point in one mini game maybe you press space to jump but then the next mini game, you press shift to jump. Oh. And <laughs> so they kind of changed things like that as well because it just wasn't very well designed. Um, so, yeah, I don't recommend anyone go out and buy the game version of Stormboy unless you're absolutely obsessed with the story. Um, 
I picked it up just for a pure little nostalgia thing to see what has happened with that story. But I don't think it would be all that enticing to anyone else. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I played it though and I finished it. Don't really recommend it. <laughs> the other one I've I've kept playing the Cube Escape, uh, Cube Escape Collection, which is from the Rusty Lake games. Uh, this I just played one recently. I played The Mill, which I think is perhaps the last Cube Escape one before... I'm recommended to go play another game. Uh, like, a, I think actually Rusty Lake Hotel, I think, is the next one I need to play. According Ooh. to the developer, as in playing it in the order you should play them in to have everything kind of make sense a bit. Um, as much as they do make sense. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the mill I really enjoyed, but um, instead of being stuck in, like, one room, you're in a mill, funnily enough, and there's like three levels to it. Mm. And so you're solving puzzles and activating things across multiple levels. Obviously I don't want to give anything away, but it's just as weird as the others. There's dead bodies and people in cupboards and weird shadowy, creepy devil looking dudes, uh, that pop up and scare you, but still very, very cool. <laughs> I'm really enjoying these games cause they're just, I've never played anything like them to be honest. Um, and I like that. So, and I'm not sure there's yeah. anything like them. Like, Yeah, I can't think of anything. Um, I mean, outside of it being like a point-and-click puzzle game, but the theming and the presentation and everything is just, mm, it's very, very good, very, very original, and, uh, yeah, very interesting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into a non-Cube Escape game when I get to the next one. Uh, because I can just check. I do have a list somewhere. Yeah, I think you should, after the mill, you have to play the Rusty Lake games. Yeah, it's got it's got the mill, then Rusty Lake Hotel. Yeah. Then it's got a couple more Cube Escape, and then Rusty Lake Roots, and then another Cube Escape, and then Rusty Lake Paradise, and then the newer ones, basically. I might have to replay the whole Rusty Lake Cube Escape uh franchise because i originally just played the rusty lake games and then went with the cube yeah. escape um well not that it necessarily makes sense if you play it like the correct order but <laughs> i guess there's there's an overall lore to yeah. the, to, the, to the series yeah and yeah like i'm just going on this list because it's a list that i found on reddit which was also on the developers uh page where they've put it, put this list together saying we recommend you play it in this order. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I don't know how much it's helping, <laughs> but I'm hoping when I play Rusty Lake Hotel, which is you know separate from the Cube Escape games, that um, it might add a bit more to it. But either way, I'm just enjoying myself no matter what. So yeah, I finished the mill. That's the one, two, three, four, five. That's the sixth Cube Escape game I've played so far. And the next one will be Rusty Date Hotel. So hopefully I'll be talking about that soon as well because I want to play it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, just those two for me this, this week. Like I say, I've been upgrading my PC, but I might talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> um, also, n neither of us have retired anything, which is cool because it means we've completed or kept playing what we're playing. So. Whatever it is, <laughs> we're enjoying it enough not to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what, what have you been playing recently, Paula? I've been playing, like, 
uh, very mixed stuff now that I see it like all together. The the first game is one that I've been playing for a while, which is Beautiful Faded Memories. Um, I just went through arguably the uh, my least favorite route and my favorite route um, consecutively. Uh, so the first route, I guess, the fourth route that I uh, that I went through in the game is Orlok's route, which who is um, I'm just gonna say like a minion of the, some guy in power from the church who wants more power. Uh, right. So he's pretty much been um, deceiving uh, this disciple of the church. Um, he's supposed to be like he's supposed to have like a specific role in the overall story, but he's told he has a another kind of role, so he doesn't know like what his original role is. Um, so in that regard, there's um a lot of unnecessary bloodshed in this world like <laughs> there's so much depth here that i mean it is expected i guess with the kind of game this is but still it has surpassed my expectations of the turn right guess um here oh. you have um like the other side of the uh, of the game, like, why is Lily so important, like, to these mafias and the church and all the jazz? Um, but also you get the fuller picture of why some specific mafia guys were after her in the first place. Um, so I guess it adds to more to that part of the story and less to the overall picture. And then we have the route that adds to the overall picture, that is Gilbert's route. Uh, Gilbert is the boss of the Visconti, mm -hmm. uh, which is the uh, mafia that branched out of the Falsone because they didn't like, like their overall traditional ways. They are also the ones that deal the most with foreigners, especially like with American traders and stuff like that. So uh, that made Gilbert a prime suspect of counterfeiting money. So the <laughs> the the actual uh, big thing on the game is that there is like a conspiracy going on in Berlone, and there are like people working behind the shadows to pretty much either take uh, out the mafia or trying to get their way and. Uh, make like some grandiose thing um, for Europe and try to bring that dollar and stuff like that. So, uh, of course, um, the guy dealing with Americans the most is the one that gets uh, pulled into this um, as um, a scapegoat, I guess. And this is this has to be like the goal is road because everyone works together like the three mafias like well this is not actually like the coolest coolest road this is like the second coolest road but more on that later <laughs> uh so the mafia like kind of work together uh to find like these uh I'm gonna say the ringleader of the whole operation and the thing is is that. Um, well, they have to work on uh, 
setting Gilbert free in the sense of, well, he's not actually like detained like this whole time, but you have like three months to, was it three months? No, that's the three months for the other thing. But you have like a specific amount of time before um, uh, the trial of uh, counterfeiting him, allegedly counterfeiting money. But also you have to find a person who actually is counterfeiting money. Uh, and um, in that regard, you have Team One, who is like trying to set the uh, Gilbert Free during this trial on, on the last day of the operation. Team Two is going to the factory where they're counterfeiting money to get the plates and the um, uh, and the what's the name of it? The the evidence of money being counterfeit. Yeah. And you have team three that is hunting down the culprit. And the way they set this up, so uh, we are afraid it's like very particular in the sense that uh, you are able to see like scenarios that are uh, happening like at the same time I think you're currently going through. Um, so you get like a little alert, I guess. Uh, and you can like just press a button and jump to the other scenario and get the. By the way, Depending on, on which cool. scenarios you read and which ones you don't, that can also affect which ending you get <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> nice. Um, so you you not only have to uh, care for the affection of the character and the secondary um, attribute of the character, which, by the way, for Orlog is tolerance and for Gilbert is trust. Um, you also have to uh, keep in mind that depending on the side scenarios that you read, you might actually influence the ending you get. Uh, which, by the way, I don't think it is just that much, except for Orlok's route. Like, that is the one route where the less, you know, the better it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, having, like, these three of your groups like working together and then like having like this uh, jump off scene uh, during the whole uh, operation uh, makes it yeah. so it feels like there's more action on the screen even though you're just reading words uh, but mm -hmm. also it gives that sense of everything is happening like at at tandem like and they are like really working together and also that feeling of overall chaos which is going down in 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 this town at and everything at the same time so i really really like cool. like the like the climax of this route like they made a vision novel feel action pack yeah that's cool uh so yeah um there's one route left Technically, because each route like kind of like splits into the finale ending and the secret route ending. So I'm gonna say it's like a route and a half. Uh, and then I have to go through all of the other endings because the developers were kind enough to include like a completion percentage for each one of the routes and an overall completion percentage. So my completion itself nice. is like well, fuck it. I don't usually go for all the endings. 
unless they unlock a CG or unless there's a completionist thing. And they do both <laughs> here, so yeah. And I think mm -hmm. I'm gonna just end in hand be before going through the grand finale because I feel it the I feel that it leaves like a better aftertaste, I guess. Yeah. Um but yeah, that is your favorite Faded Memories. Uh, I'm gonna try to like play something in between uh, this game and the second PF3 game. Otherwise, it's just gonna be PF3 from, from here to the end of the year. <laughs> and I don't think people want that. Um, it sounds pretty good. It is pretty good, though <laughs> there's a lot of things that I feel are going to trigger people because, again, it's a mafia game. It has, like, everything from human trafficking to torture. Yeah, right. Uh, though it's still, like, a fun favorite in the other community. I don't know how, but anyway. Um, the other game that I've been playing, and this one is going to come out of left field because I don't think mm. I've played anything like this, like, in a long while. It is Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction. And yeah, I've been playing weird. this... Hmm? What? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for a while, my boyfriend went, have been wanting to play something together. And he's really, really, really likes Diablo 2. So, at the end of the day, I was like, hey, why don't we just play Diablo 2 Classic and go with the expansion pack? Uh, because there's a class I really, really, really want to play from there. Mm. And so my character is, ma is named Lucas, and he is a druid. Nice. And he's playing a barbarian named Dave. <laughs> you can get the, the reference there if you are not too young, I guess. Uh, but the thing is, uh, is that we're playing like over the Valonet server. And the funny thing is, is that each time we log in, we get like we we maintain the the overall progress of the story, but the map gets remixed a little bit. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah, because if you're playing like alone on like on a single player campaign, you keep the map. It, it doesn't get randomized each time you get in. But for some reasons, uh, on Battle.net, you enter Battle.net with your character who, that has the progress save, like the waypoints that you've unlocked, the caves that you've explored. And we're in the street uh, you are. By the way, uh, we're on the last mission of Act One, and but the map doesn't get saved per se. <laughs> like you get a brand new map, and you lo you go in with your character, and you get like all the stuff that you unlock. Uh, thankfully, the uh, the personal stash that you get, uh, at, uh like on the like. On, on the encampments, like on the settlement, sorry, you yeah. you get your your secret, like your private stash there uh, with all the stuff you've collected. So that is a, a good thing, I guess. <laughs> um, but the map gets uh, all scrambled. <laughs> so it's like playing, uh, I don't know, um, uh, um no not better really. um like a roguelike yeah like a roguelike at some <laughs> point because each time we begin a a new session we have to see like okay what if we explore this uh, place again because god knows what we're gonna find right does it 
Does that affect then like enemies and loot and stuff? Um, at the very least, each time we enter, I don't know if the loot regenerates in a uh, way. I know yeah. like bosses regenerate once you leave the area. Okay. And you so you can farm the bosses. Right. But uh, things like treasure chest uh, also regenerate each time you go out of the server and then go in. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, that has been fun. <laughs> um, also, it's very funny because uh, we tend to go into a- every single cave we find on our way. The first cave we actually found, we tried to go in. Well, was got obliterated. So we left it like for later. Yeah. And a couple of levels uh, later, we just went there, obliterated, obliterated everything instead, and got all the goodies at the end, which was very nice. Um, <laughs> the There's been a couple of instances where we have to like uh, go back, regroup, and try not to die for their uh, life. Especially like in the one in the last area we were in, that is kind of like a church and has some barracks in it, and that wasn't pretty because there was like the room of fucking death with like a uh, very strong skeleton. So the first time like he went alone, which was a mistake. <laughs> then I went in alone with my pack of wolves, and that was a mistake. I don't know how I didn't die. Like I got like just a sliver of health left. And I was like, look, 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 drinking potions, like, I'll uh, just save my life. At some point, we have to um, just uh, teleport back to the village because we didn't have any health potions left. Um, We managed to beat the boss of the area, which was nice. Nice. Uh, As I said, we're at the end of chapter, uh, act one, sorry. And uh, right now, like the way you can build your or like uh, customize your unit, or, like your your druid in this case, uh, you have like three paths to go through. Like you can get uh, elemental uh, skills, which I guess are more like the usual magic for sorcerers, mm-hmm. but you can also get the shape shifting. Um, tree. Uh, so my character is a werewolf right now. Nice. But also, you can get this summoning tree, so I can get a pack of wolves too. Awesome. So I'm a werewolf with a pack of wolves <laughs> and a crow that just like super good enemies. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, that, that that has been a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, I at some point I tried play. We tried playing Devil Three. But it's almost like the game played itself in a way because <laughs> it was like considerably easier than the other two. Yeah. Right. Um, like we didn't even use the health potions in that game. <laughs> but here they are your life lifeline. If you don't have potions, you're fucking dead. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's it about Diablo Two. Hopefully next week I'll be in Act Two and uh, nowhere near close to death. Um, the last game that we've been playing, uh, we kind of like been playing together too with my boyfriend, is Dr. Pikachu on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And we are on chapter two of the game. So uh, the overall story is like similar to like you play as Tim and 
you find this talking Pikachu and it seems like you're the only one who can understand this talking Pikachu. <laughs> so you start working together with this Pikachu who is seemingly like the uh, team's lost father's Pikachu and just try to uh, get a hold of team's father or like try to find his whereabouts. So in the first chapter, you just meet Pikachu and solve a uh, a little mystery together like some of them have been going berserk and stealing stuff uh, and there's Pokemon drama in the park that you have to solve and uh, once you solve that uh, you uh, get to uh, the Vicar Detective Agency where it's like oh no we're looking for that don't worry uh, you don't have to do anything but of course uh, since this is the main character of the video game you can just enjoy nothing <laughs> that would be illegal and dangerous, but um, you start like trying to find clues of where um, Tim's father is um, regarding like the last case he worked on before disappearing. Uh, and right now I'm on a cave full of uh, ghost type Pokemon and a Glalie, which I don't know why he lives in that cave. like. I don't know. I don't make the rules. Um, but again, the fun part is that Pikachu talks with the Pokemon and Jim talks with the humans. So you can get um, information for, um, from both worlds. Um, that's yeah. very fun. Nice. Uh, the game is nothing. Like the story or the writing. Or like, the game is nothing to write home about. It's just a fun little silly game. Uh, but still like a fun little silly game to pass the time. Yeah, cool. Not something I would play on my lonesome, but since we're playing it together, it's more fun that way because we just remember about the game at, the, at that point. <laughs> and that's enough about me. What have been you play? What what have been you playing? I don't know if I if I'm speaking <laughs> words right. <laughs> yeah, we know what you mean. I <laughs> like I say, I haven't been playing much. Like my usual kind of bouncing around, which you know, but uh. I've been playing Poems and Codes still. I've almost finished it. I'm up to the last kind of section. Um, don't really have much else to say about it. It's really good. If you like that kind of thing, if you like deciphering bits of text <laughs> and then reading poems, um, then it's still very good. Um, what I do like is that, um, like I, I mentioned last time as well, I, I really like the amount of puzzles and content that there is in this game because it had the potential of being just a bit uh from playing the demo i could have i would have been i wouldn't have been surprised if it was quite short um however thankfully there's like loads and loads and loads of games i'm just looking at my playtime now and i've almost finished it and i well i've probably got like three or four hours left of it and i'm already like 23 hours in so there's definitely lots of poems and codes to read and decipher so um you know it's very much worth it in that sense um obviously it's not the kind of game that everyone's going to get into but if you do there's a lot there to like uh but the the big one that i have been playing is cities skylines 2 which came out uh in the last week as of recording this um interestingly uh it's been i have mixed feelings about this game i was very excited about it because i very much enjoyed the first one uh, it's like the new standard sim city kind of game um and you know 
did a lot right where SimCity was doing things wrong when the first one came out. But this second one, I think it kind of annoys me because it falls into that category of game where it's been released too early, it's a bit undercooked, there's a lot of bugs, the performance is atrocious, like just getting it to run at a decent frame rate is a nightmare and you just have to test different settings on or off and change things because it's not about, you know, medium, high or low graphics. It's depending on what particular setting isn't optimized properly, so you need to turn that off so that you can then get a regular frame rate. Otherwise, it'll just tank itself all the time. And, you know, I've even been playing it at times where it's become unplayable because of the frame rate dropping so much. Um, And then it's ended up crashing and stuff a couple of times. So I kind of got annoyed with it. Um, As I mentioned, though, I have since upgraded my PC, and that was one of the first games I loaded just to, you know, see what a new processor does. Um, And it seemed much more stable on my new hardware. (laughs) Which is nice. It's nice, but I also don't think that should be how to get your game working. So, <laughs> you know, not everyone is going to go out and buy a new CPU just to get your game working. <laughs> um, so, plus from playing it as well, I don't want to bag on it entirely. Like, it's, it's still a good game. It's City Skylines, really, with a bit of a new coat of paint. But um, there are lots of little differences and stuff. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, it does feel like you're playing the same game. It's mm-hmm. in broad strokes. It's very, very similar to uh, the first city skylines. And a lot of the differences are very, very minute and they'll, they'll probably make people happy if you're really into making every little spot in your city customized and perfect. But if you just want to make a big city really quick and kind of fuck around, you won't notice many of the changes at all. Um, because there's things like when you're placing roads now, instead of just lining it up with the road, it can line up with different lanes on the road or uh, you can have it um, line up with buildings, which is a good example, whereas they didn't have that before, where you could, before you'd have to like build a road and then attach a building to the road. Now you can like just throw a building down and then build a road that snaps to that building. So that's kind of convenient when you're doing different planning but uh other stuff that they've done is i'm struggling to think of them because there's it's not that much but um, well now they've got every road is where every road contains uh power lines and water pipes so you don't have to lay them all manually so that's a good thing you can lay them manually and you need to when you don't have roads taking you somewhere but um it's kind of nice that you can just kind of plug into the roads from your water uh, plant or whatever and just know it'll go throughout the entire road network without having to, you know, add pipes and do all that kind of busy work, which isn't really fun anyway. And it's not, you know, laying down pipes in a city isn't exactly that satisfying. <laughs> it just kind of serves a purpose and that's it. So it's nice they've kind of streamlined that sort of stuff. There are new things as well, like there's... um. Uh, there's some you can you can place like car parks which you couldn't do before um you can place they've got a specific uh roundabout tool which rather than drawing roads in a circle you can plop a roundabout on an intersection and it will automatically calculate lanes and all that kind of stuff uh there are tools where you can like get into more details with 
road signs and stuff. So you can decide to put stop signs on an intersection or traffic lights or that sort of stuff to basically fine tune how traffic moves around your city. But even then it's a little bit unsatisfying because <laughs> this is going to sound really detailed and stupid, but <laughs> say you've got like a main road that's like your big mm-hmm. road that's a main arterial road for your city. And then you've got, it hits a intersection, like a crossroad. So you've got two smaller roads coming in from either side. Ideally, I'd want to put a stop sign on those two small roads, but keep the main road open so they don't have to stop at all. Yeah. So that traffic can flow down the big main road, but then the people coming in from the side lane have to kind of wait until there's a gap and off they go. You can't do that. You have to put a stop sign on every single part of the intersection. Why? So because you can't edit it. It's just the whole intersection or nothing. <laughs> and it's the same with like traffic lights as well. Like it's it's the whole thing or nothing. Um, <laughs> so that's what I mean by like they've put more details in and it feels like they've basically looked at the most popular mods for the previous game and tried to put them into the base game a bit, which isn't a bad idea. But the previous game nowadays is amazing because of all the mods there are so many mods that basically just fix everything you could ever think of wanting to fix in that game so then playing this one kind of does feel a bit undercooked as well because it's not as versatile as the previous one is when you add mods i'm sure this game will eventually get mods as well and they do support mods very well so that's a good thing but as far as like picking up on day one there's so many optimization issues there are no mods, or very few at least initially. Um, the changes aren't that great. So it's kind of like I was playing it and having a good time, but thinking, man, I'd love to go play City Skylines 1 again, <laughs> which I don't think is the point of a sequel. <laughs> I don't think that is something a sequel would want. Yeah. I don't think they're going to put that on the box. Like, it'll make you want to play the first game. <laughs> <laughs> but... uh I think it, it's got potential, and I think the, some, a game like this you kind of have to accept is kind of laying the foundation for what it will be next year or yeah. in a couple of years when they've ironed out some optimization stuff, when there's heaps more mods and people have you know, made a mod so that you can put stop signs on whatever side of the road you want or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That is fine, I think. And I think that's kind of where they come from when they make this game anyway. They know that that's kind of what's going to happen. But the optimization stuff is the stuff that kind of annoys me the most because I just hate that about games these days where they get put out and fixed later. You know, (laughs) it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But yeah, other than that, City Skylines 2 is, it's good. It's just kind of, it didn't amaze me in the way I wanted to be amazed or it didn't excite me, I guess. I'm not sitting there losing hours and hours and hours to building big, crazy cities like I did in the first game. I just kind of have played it a bit, gone, yeah, I wish that didn't crash a couple of times, and then <laughs> not played it much. But I might play it more now with my new setup so that because of the optimization issues won't be as bad, so Hopefully. we'll see. <laughs> um, the other game I thought I'd mention, just because it is literally probably the only other game I've been playing, is some more Baldur's Gate 3 which continues to be really, really good. Uh, I'm still playing with my friends, so totally co-op. And we are still in Act 2. <laughs> we're taking our time, apparently, because we're about, I think we're about 76 hours in now. 
And yeah, we're in Act Two, and there's definitely an Act Three, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked it up. I'm not looking ahead for this sort of stuff, but it's really good. One of the things that I really like about it is despite the occasional glitch and all that kind of thing, I think the huge strength of uh, this game is based on not only how detailed the environments are and the locations, like everywhere you go is interesting and there's stuff to look at and there's story behind everything you see. Like you find journals and there's purpose to each location. So you'll get, you'll find like a weird building in the middle of nowhere. And as you explore, you'll be like, Oh, some weird wizard was here doing tests on gnomes or whatever and torturing them or whatever and stuff like that. And you find evidence of it around the place and you know, it might be long abandoned, but you kind of, there's a story behind every place and there's a reason why everything is there, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. It feels really handcrafted and purposefully built, which is very nice. Um, It's the opposite of, bullshit procedurally generated maps <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's so detailed and everything is like has a place and a purpose which is fantastic and similarly the other big thing that has kept me enjoying it is the characters and the npcs and their stories and how well they're written and voice acted and everything like the characterizations are just really really good and there are lots of really cool not just enemies, but just NPCs or, you know, other characters that potentially could end up being enemies or friends or who knows. <laughs> um, and I really like that to the point there was, there's this one bit that we just did, which, you know, no spoilers. I'll, I'll keep it spoiler free, but basically we, we went to a location, we left. And then when we came back, we decided we're going to fight everybody. So when we did, you know, due to reasons, but <laughs> due to reasons. when we did, we, <laughs> We came back and we just, and we like, you know, said, all right, everyone, we're here to kill you. Let's do it. So the people that we talked to previously or the characters we talked to previously that we were friends with, they joined the fight as well as our allies. And I really like that kind of stuff where, you know, when we, when we were there the first time we'd made friends with these guys and talked to them and helped them out with whatever their thing was. And then we left and it's like, okay, cool. See you later guys. And then something else happened to make us want to come back and fight the big dude there so we come back and we and we go to fight them and so because we'd made friends with these other dudes they show up and help us and i just love that kind of thing where it it gives more meaning and uh purpose to the actions you take because if we hadn't made friends with them we'd probably fight them as well mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and i really like that kind of stuff because it just kind of makes the world feel a bit more real and a bit more responsive to what you do in it um, but the very, the last thing on Baldur's Gate 3 that kind of makes me laugh is that my character has become quite the, quite the lover, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for no real reason, like <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird. Like I've heard talk about how weird the romance system in Baldur's Gate 3 is, but without even trying, I've now made my way through three of our companions. Um, <laughs> The first one kind of decided that I was all right and, you know, came on pretty strong and it, it was a very rough physical relationship. Um, <laughs> and then someone else is like, I like you too. So I'm like, sure. What about you? And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I love you. You're amazing. And then just recently someone else is like, Hey, 
you and me have at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just rolling with it at this point. I'm like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and it's just hilarious because, like, my um my friends who I've been playing with have been trying to romance other characters that I haven't even talked to. And the latest one was one of them who just decided that they liked me all of a sudden and came up to me and started flirting with me. And <laughs> I don't know if it's because I've got the most charisma or something, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny <laughs> and, and just stupid. So uh, one thing about Baldur's Gate 3 uh, that I heard about recently on one of the various YouTube channels that I follow called Leyendas y Videojuegos. Mm -hmm. This one is in Spanish, sorry. But um, <laughs> first of all, uh, they made the characters feel like so much more alive than in other games because each one has a character cheat. Yes. And, and the actors get to also act in, the, in a bodysuit. Ah, nice. Uh, so a lot of the scenes just play out the way that the human uh, actors uh, make it out to be. So that's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing now that you uh, <laughs> that now that you talk about your romantic misadventures in a game, um, one of the things that they had to patch is that the characters were a little bit too thirsty for everyone's liking. Oh, yeah. So they had to patch them up to like uh, make them less thirsty in a way. Um, well, they're they're so... still pretty thirsty as far as I'm concerned. I was, <laughs> I was playing last night and this happened. So I know there has been actually been a patch since then and now, but yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny though. Oh, yeah. And it's hilarious. Like it's it's all part of good fun. But it's interesting they've done that with the, the actors as well because, yeah, the characterization and everything is really, really good. And... It's that kind of thing as well, like you meet some random character in a random place that you're not expecting. It's not like anyone else has mentioned it or anything. And they turn out that they've, they've got such a good amount of backstory and reason for being there and something they're trying to achieve that you can help them with or not. And yeah, it's so, so refreshing to always meet characters who are interesting and have a story of their own. And you don't have to necessarily take part. You don't have to engage with them. But we're pretty much, as part of our playthrough, we're just kind of completing the entire map as much as we can, mm -hmm. um, you know, without following a guide or anything, just as much as we can tell as well. Um, but, like, on on one hand, there's, like, the main quest where um, we're past this now, but and it's not really a spoiler, but there's a point where everyone's talking about this location called Moonrise Towers, okay. and it's part of the main quest. And so everyone you talk to, no matter what you do, they're like, I need to solve this. I hear that there's a solution at Moonrise Towers. And then you talk to the next person. They're like, I'm trying to hunt down this person. They ran away to Moonrise Towers. And then... <laughs> wing, wing, nudge, nudge. Yeah. So we're all going, hmm, I think we need to go to Moonrise Towers. <laughs> but of course... And then one the... of your friends look at you and it's like, oh, no, what could have possibly <laughs> gave it away? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like... It's fine because, fair enough, it's the main quest and they're, they're shoveling you into that tunnel. But you don't have to follow it either. And we are kind of going around talking to everybody and anybody, so they're all kind of mentioning the main path. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. hey, maybe check out Moonrise Towers. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so it, in a way it was kind of nice because it, it meant that we could leave Moonrise. When we eventually found where Moonrise Towers was, we're like, okay, cool, we'll come back to this later. <laughs> we'll explore the rest of the map have 10 other people tell us to come here 
and then we'll come here. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit funny in that way, but it's nice that all the side stories you find and all the things that are off the main path are actually pretty interesting and fun to play and kind of fun to discover as well. It reminds me a bit of um, the best part of, I think, like Fallout games and even the best part of like Grand Theft Auto games and that kind of thing are the kind of side people you meet who have a story and something to do. Mm-hmm. Like in Grand Th- in GTA, there's, um, I forget what they're called, but they're like basically people who you only encounter them if you run into them on the street at a certain time of day at a, in a certain location. And they'll like stop you and you'll get a cutscene and they'll run up to you and be like, hey man, I need your help with whatever and or this is what I'm doing or, you know, they might try and beg f- some stuff from you or whatever. And you end up getting caught up in their story and some of them are quite interesting and in-depth and wacky and have nothing to do with the main quest at all but are some of the most fun kind of aspects of those games and it's the same thing in Baldur's Gate 3 there's loads of cool side stuff and even down to there's a lot of benefits from it as well like again I don't want to spoil anything but there are certain choices you can make throughout the game like from the very beginning when you talk to people and do stuff and they'll have permanent effects on you for the rest of the game and it, initially they might not sound like a very good idea. Like, I don't know, let's pretend someone says to you, hey, I want you to shoot yourself in the head. And if you say yes, you might end up getting like some benefit from having been shot in the head that will last you for the rest of the game. <laughs> Obviously that is not going to happen. That's not an example. But that kind of idea of thing uh, happens fairly regularly. Um, so there are some choices you make which seem really bad, but end up giving you some roundabout benefit that you might not have had otherwise. Um, plus, final thought on that. <laughs> I lo- it's also a lot of encounters and things you can kind of potentially talk your way out of as much as just fight people. Um, for instance, there's this one character who, again, not going to spoil, but they basically want... You're in a conversation with them, and if you, they're trying to convince you to let them basically do an experiment on you, and if you decide to say no the option is to fight them or say no or if you if you get the right role and you've got the right skills and enough charisma and that kind of thing you can do what i did which was i convinced them to do the experiment on themselves (laughs) which they ended up doing (laughs) and it was hilarious (laughs) just beautiful (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah it's a good game in that sense um it's yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to continuing to play it. But like I say, I'll, I'll probably be playing this for hundreds of hours because, yeah, my friends and I play a few times a week at most and we do a few hours at a time. So it's going to take us a while. Uh, finally, the <laughs> the last game I've been playing is, I like to call it Windows 11 because I've upgraded my computer and I've done a complete reinstall of my operating system and everything. And I hate Windows 11. And I just wanted to say that because, my God, getting it to do what I want it to do within reason as well is a nightmare. And if you're hearing this and you're wondering, should I upgrade to windows 11, stay on windows 10. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's fine. And windows 11 doesn't change that much, but uh, yeah, if anyone is interested, I've just uh, basically, I had to upgrade my, my motherboard because it's, it was 10 years old and things were really starting to not work. Like my USB ports kept fluctuating with power. So anything plugged in would turn on and off just randomly. Um, 
it's lovely now. I can just plug everything in and it works. So that's fun. Um, but of course, when you replace your motherboard, you also have to replace your CPU and your RAM and, and a bunch of else. other stuff. So, so yeah, so this is all a new setup for me at the moment. And I just wanted to mention it mostly to say if it, if the audio sounds a bit weird or whatever, or there's any issues, I apologize, but I'm basically uh, redoing everything at the moment. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Hopefully it'll end up better in the end. But uh, yeah, that, that's what I've been playing over the last week is operating system frustration. <laughs> Do not recommend. Do not recommend. Many hours. At all. <laughs> but let's talk about something completely different and uh, look at our gaming topic for today. We're going to talk about some gaming droughts and gluts or, yeah, when you've got uh, games that take up your time and you forget about everything else or, or when you go through those periods of not really knowing what to play and end up jumping around between many, many different things and nothing really satisfies uh, and those sorts of experiences. Um, I, I'll start by saying that I often, the way I play games anyway is I jump around between games quite a lot. <laughs> um, my playing list on Helen's Beat is at like 80 or something at the moment because I if, if I started playing something, I'll put it on my playing list until I either decide to retire it or I finish it. So it could stay there a long time if I don't play it for a while, uh -huh. but I still consider it playing. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because I do tend to jump around a lot. Like uh, I like playing for maybe one or two hour sessions at most for most games uh, throughout the week or whatever. And so I might play a racing game one day or later that day I'll play poems and codes and do some code cracking or, you know, I like to change it up a bit depending on how I'm feeling and often depending on how tired I am and how much I want to pay attention. Um, <laughs> but then every now and then a game comes along that you just load up and you, that's all I want to play. And I'll play it for hours and hours and hours and hours and I'll forget everything else. And recently Lies of P was that for me um, because yeah, once I started playing that, all I wanted to do was play that and play more and get to the end and have a great time. Um, and I just really love that feeling of when you're not playing something and you're kind of thinking about it, and you're thinking about the next time you get to play it and, oh, I wonder if that's going to happen or I wonder what happens because I did this or maybe I'll try that next time or, you know, you get a little bit obsessed. Yeah, um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you reckon, Paul? I mean, uh, considering the huge backlog that I have, like, here how long to read, like, I don't really go, like, through gaming droughts. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going uh, through a bit of a gaming glut, uh, especially this year since I have, like, uh, less time to play because of uni. But also, there's been uh, a good chunk of releases that I've been interested in. Um, a lot of them are my releases, surprise, surprise. <laughs> but also, like, uh, there's uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which, by the way, I haven't gone back into uh, to in a while. Uh, Fire Emblem Engage, which... <laughs> It's like on January, I haven't finished that yet. I'm like in the last three chapters. <laughs> uh, and now that I think about it, there's not a there. There's like three games that I bought that aren't Otome that came out this year. A lot of the other games that I bought are like games that have come out like in prior years. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> um. <laughs> you know, you know what you like. <laughs> yeah. 
so it's um the German industry has been growing um and Alexis hasn't really talked about what they're uh, localizing for the next year. Like this year, between Axis, between Idea Factory International, even Voltage, mm -hmm. we've been aging well here. So to the point that I can't get every release like mm -hmm. um, on day one because that would be way too expensive, sir. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, or like, for example, this month, uh, we're getting two Atomic games, uh, the first one being, um, I forgot the English name, but it's two individuals of legend that has been one that I've been waiting for for a fucking long time. And the <laughs> other one is, um, uh, the title is too fucking long, but it's uh, the Atomic adaptation. It's kind of like an Atomic adaptation of an anime that is based on the light novel. Um, which, I, if I remember correctly, the anime slash title is called I've Been Reincarnated as a Villainess uh, in an Atome game uh, with only uh, destruction flags or something like that. Okay. And <laughs> it's about uh, uh, a girl that reincarnated uh, in the world of an Atome game. She's a villainess and... She has to avoid to die pretty much because since she's civilianess, uh, in every ending, like uh, she's the character who in the original uh, visual novel she would get killed or um, or, or like kick off of the country uh, in every single road. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's trying to avoid that. Uh, so the uh, Ochame game based on that is after she. Uh, managed to escape every single destruction flag and uh, now she's like on the pirate ship and there's an adventure there or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so those are like the Jojo May games coming out this month. Last month we have even this Tempest Fantasy. The, the month prior to that I think we have Red Until, if I remember correctly. So there's been a lot of Jojo May games coming, uh, coming out and um, there's so little time, and all of the Atomic games take at least 30 hours, even if you're a quick breather, mm -hmm. and you have a guide. <laughs> so um, there's not enough time for all the games that are, coming, that are coming out, even if you have, like, a very niche hobby. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year's been ridiculous for, for me for games that I'm interested in, uh, but I'll pretty much try anything as well. Um, and having... Game Pass and PlayStation Plus and also being interested in trying pretty much anything kind of means that there's never not something to play. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, try. That's why I've kind of, I've kind of become quite used to the idea of retiring games as well, because otherwise I just end up with way too many games that I'm in the middle of playing. Um because, yeah, there's so many games that I'll try just because and enjoy, but maybe I'll think, eh, I'd rather play something else. So I should retire it. But, <laughs> yeah, it, there's, there's so much choice. But what I find really interesting is, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes even with a huge backlog, like, you know, 3,000 games on Steam to choose from, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is just ridiculous, but um, I still find myself sometimes sitting down and just going, eh, Nothing I want to play. Nothing really jumps out. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Ja, men det kan vi sälja. Ja, det actually happened a, like a lot between this week and last week, uh, where I actually been watching a lot of anime because it was like, you know what? I kind of like something wholesome to play or like something wholesome in general. Yeah. But I've been playing a mafia game where everyone dies. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of like want to. I. I either end up like replaying something I already played or going through another media entirely <laughs> or like like uh, the other night where I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this game because I got nothing else to play right now. <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, sometimes even having like thousands of games that I want to play or at least hundreds that I'm really, really interested in playing, I'm just like, eh. I'm going to buy this other game and play that instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, if it's novelty maybe or or something like that, but yeah, it feels bad sometimes to know that you've got lots of options, but you don't choose any of them. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird too, though. It, especially since in the scenario of where you're like, Hey, I could play this game that has been sitting on my backlog. And I remember being, very enthusiastic about when I first started playing or I could replay this other game for the nth time. <laughs> Especially when it's something that's like, you know, it's not necessarily as good as the one you yeah. haven't finished, but you know, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, or it's like the comfort game, which yeah. would, which probably you may have topic about that at some point. Let me write that down <laughs> in the agenda. Well, it's kind of like, um, There's a bit of that, you know, in, you know, in like RPGs and stuff, like the whole too good to use kind of thing that like you keep gathering loot, but you never actually use it because you want to save it for that special occasion. But then, and then up, this special occasion never comes. Yeah. Like Baldur's Gate 3 is a classic one. We, we're constantly picking up scrolls of magic and potions and stuff. And just recently I've started being like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm using all of these because we never use them and we're carrying around way too much crap. And um, you keep picking it up. So it's like, Yeah, okay, let's let's just use this stuff. But uh, it's kind of like that with games sometimes for me because there are certain games that I've started, I've really, really enjoyed, and I really, really want to finish, but I haven't because I know there's a time investment or it's it's almost like the anticipation of playing it is going to be better than if I actually do play it and finish it. I don't know why. True. But a classic one of that is Nier Automata for me, where I started playing it and I've played like 10 hours or something and absolutely loved it. It's a fantastic game. But I think I got to a point where I can't remember where I stopped actually, but I stopped and I think I went and just played something else quickly for a change and I haven't picked it up since. And that was like a few years ago. And the whole time I'm just like, I really want to play this game. I really want to finish Nier Automata because I know it's amazing and I want to see the rest of the game. But I almost don't want to play it because I know I'm not going to play anything else if I do. And I'm going to be annoyed that I can't play it as much as I want to play it. because I want to just sit down and play it like all day, every day. And I have other things I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Other commitments, of course, but, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a self-made, uh, drought in a way of the choices there, but I, I don't want to like commit myself if I can't commit myself completely. In a yeah. Way. It happens to me with Tears of a Kingdom, which, by the way, I 
was very excited about the launch of the game back in May. Like, I almost obsessed with the game. It came out, <laughs> I played a, like 40 hours home, somehow in like in a week. Damn. Or in two weeks, I don't know. And I haven't touched since because like I want to play it, but I wanted to play other stuff too at the same time. <laughs> but I, also I can't like let myself dive into a game that is going to become like a full-time job in the time investment department. <laughs> yeah. Because I have to study and that's just like my actually full-time job at the same, like uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's why I kind of favor shorter games these days anyway. But I, yeah, I've heard lots of people say as they get older, they prefer shorter games because they've got more commitments and more and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah. I kind of don't <laughs> like <laughs> I, I obviously I've got a lot of priorities that come before gaming, but I don't have, you know, I'm not married and have, a, or I don't have children or any of that kind of stuff, um, which a lot of other people do, which they have to deal with or, or like, you know, manage time with, I should say. And, you know, fair enough too. Those, those sorts of things come first, but uh, I don't have those things. <laughs> and I still, part of me is like, eh, I just want to play this two-hour neat little indie experience that's going to make me go, oh, that was cool, rather than looking down the barrel of, like, 50 hours or something that's going to – I'm going to want to play, like, 10 hours at a time or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. It's just there's there's something about me that has uh, changed that where at the same time, though, like playing something like Baldur's Gate 3, which is obviously going to take a long time. Because, like I say, we're already, like, 76 hours in, and I'm sure we're going to go – over 100, if not closer to 200. Um, but that's kind of different because that's like catching up with friends every few days. Yeah. So if I was playing solo, I don't know if I'd be as committed as I am with playing with my friends because I basically get to hang out with them. We shoot the shit while we while we play and we, you know, catch up what you've been doing in the last few days or whatever. Um, and it's nice to just hang out with some friends. <laughs> so I think that makes a lot of difference as well because, you know, I'd rather do that than disappear in my room playing games um <laughs> on my own <laughs> uh <laughs> so, so i think that affects that sort of stuff as well because like no matter how much how, how many options you've got like to think about uh having droughts and gluts and stuff but even with so many options and so many choices available to you it doesn't really change kind of when you go through those times of wanting to play more or less or what what you feel like playing at the time may not actually fit anything that you have as an option. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's a weird thing. And, I, and, I, and I've seen lots of people talk about it and I've seen people talk about it on the forums as well, like, um, you know, how to choose the next game to play and all that kind of thing. Cause it's a, it's a weird thing with gaming, isn't it? Like, but I think it's the same with anything. Like how do you, if you're really into movies, what, how do you pick what next movie to watch? Or if you're really into reading, what books do you read next or whatever? Um, the time commitment's different, sure, especially with movies because, you know, you can just stick one on and even, no matter what, you'll be done in a couple of hours. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I find I have... With games, it's a little bit more difficult in yeah. that regard. Well, I have a similar thing with um, with books because I do read a fair bit and I, n- I never read as much as I want to. And I'm sure a lot of people have that experience and they probably don't play as many games as they'd like to or you know don't 
have as much time to play games as they'd like to. But um, so choosing the next one is always like, hmm, what am I going to spend my limited time on now? <laughs> and yeah, it can be a difficult decision. Yeah, don't mind me as I look at the pile of books that is on the shelf right now. <laughs> Most of them unread. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got um, I've got a couple of bookcases full of books that are all books I haven't read because the ones I have read are in boxes in the shed. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's rough. The, the option rather than not have it. Totally. I mean, and you know, it's a fortunate position to be in, with no doubt. Uh, being spoiled for choice, um, you know, I'd rather that than not having any choice. So. <laughs> true, true. But um, I think it's really nice, and I think everyone who's a gamer can relate to that feeling of, you know, when you do find a game that even if it is big and takes up a lot of time, it's just it's all you want to do. It's you're on it, and that's all you're going to do because you're just like I'm into this, and I'm I'm going to play it, and that's all I want to play, <laughs> and. That's a really nice feeling when you get that because, yeah, it's just easy and you're always feeling like doing it and it's just fun, really. <laughs> now that I think about it, I kind of had like a situation where I was kind of like in a glut but in a drought. Yeah. Um, because when the, first, the Switch first came out, um, two of the game. well, I got two of the games that it launched with. Uh, that was Sniper Clips and Breath of the Wild. Yep. And I played a hell lot of Breath of the Wild, and it had like no competition on the Switch for months now that I remember. <laughs> so it's kind of like nothing that was coming out was really catching my eye, but it was like, I don't care because I have Breath of the Wild, and I put so much time into that game. Yep. <laughs> so it's kind of Absolutely. like interesting because. There was like kind of a drop because not everyone was on board with the switch yet. And by everyone, I mean the developers. Yeah. But with, I really didn't need anything else for a while because the game it launched with was fucking monstrous. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, that is a thing that caught my, like my mind, I guess. I don't know. I also, I was about to Google something and I forgot what. And I, I'm pretty sure it was relevant to the conversation, but it was too one poof. Anyway. It might come back to you. But, uh, I mean, I, I prefer that where you kind of get hooked on one game and you're enjoying it so much that you just want to keep playing it. I prefer yeah. that to kind of just jumping around, playing whatever, and not really getting that invested either way. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely. But not that that's a bad thing, because like I say, I do that all the time. I, you know, it's it's pure entertainment anyway. And so <laughs> if, if I'm having a nice time or I just am relaxing or having a bit of escapism and, you know, de-stressing from my day or whatever, then maybe I'm playing some, well, like, like at the moment, I'm dipping in and out of Need for Speed, uh, what's the one? The Run. And it's not the greatest racing game ever, but it's kind of when I want to, not think too hard and just enjoy myself for half an hour or an hour or so at a time. I'll throw it on, do some races, have some fun, turn it off and not really think about it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely not invested in it. In fact, it's kind of not even the best need for speed game I've ever played, but that's okay. Cause it's serving its purpose. It's <laughs> entertaining me for uh, a short amount of time at a time. It's interactive rather than, you know, the reason I'd rather play that, than perhaps watch TV 
is because I want to do something interactive. I don't want to just sit and watch something. Mm. So, you know, I think there's places for everything so long as, you know, you can still enjoy yourself one way or the other. But it's really nice when you get something come along that just kind of, you know, blows your mind a little and gets you a little hooked and obsessed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I think we exhausted this one topic here. <laughs> yeah, as always, please, uh, if, if anyone has anything to add or different perspectives or you want to talk about some games that really hooked you, uh, feel free to comment anywhere you find this podcast. Uh, <laughs> love to hear anyone else's thoughts. But for now, it's time to redeem myself. Hopefully. No, no it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Be kind. <laughs> and you're looking for the perfect um, uh, comment for this one. So yeah, just uh, in case anyone's wondering, our current score is Paula's on 11 and I'm on 6. So still not, you know, completely out of it, but got a little bit of catching up to do. Okay, so first of all, this game that I have here is... Where the fuck is the time? Okay, uh, so it's between 12 hours and a half and 14 hours and a half for a single player, according to how long to beat. Okay. Um, this first completion note that I totally have on the ready, where the fuck it is. Um, oh my god, I, I lost it. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the first comment is for um, a main story only. So... Mm-hmm. Not really my story because of the comment, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it is this person took 12 hours and 48 minutes and said, replayed some scenes, didn't seem to much have much of an effect most of the time. Interesting. So, replayed some so scenes, sounds like the... didn't seem to have much of an effect most of the time. So, it seems like the kind of game where your choices might matter slash change the ending or outcomes but also there are scenes that you can replay which sounds like a number of games and scenes specifically not not necessarily chapters yeah it says scenes and i guess that would make sense because like 12 to 14 hours ish is not that much of a difference so most playthroughs must be roughly the same time not something like a Life is strange. Not the one. By the way, the the time uh, was for. I guess it was for a main story. The one I gave you. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah, it is for main story. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just being an idiot. <laughs> That's okay. Um. I mean, it could be. Like, It might be a bit longer than that, but it could be something like a heavy rain. New. But that does change things significantly, as weird as it is. Um, Replaying scenes. Scenes as well. Like, scenes is a specific kind of word. Could it be... Oh, what's that game? I feel like that's longer. Wouldn't it be like the sexy brutale? Nope, nope. Nope. Good game. <laughs> um, trying to think of scenes and making change 
different things can happen. Mm, I think I'm gonna need more. Yeah, let me let me fish for one of the comments. Mm -hmm. Let's see, it's almost like there are some games I've played where you play through scenes and you basically don't have much choice except for when you do. So replaying a scene is kind of like you just kind of skip through it and change your choices. Mm. Ah, this one might give it away. Let me see if there's another one that has a midi enough clue. I mean, I'm okay if you want to give it away. <laughs> just just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, let me check. Nope, that is not the one. <laughs> Boy, I enjoyed playing game name. Yeah, like one had uh, uh, the name the name of the game on the comment, <laughs> so it was like, nope. <laughs> okay, um, this one is kind of like a combination of many comments echoing the same thing. Yep. So, uh, all five episodes plus uh, the four hundred days DLC. Oh, it's Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 400 days gave it away. <laughs> I was beginning to think something like that, but yeah. Interestingly enough, it was the 400 days DLC and not the five episode thing. Yeah, well, because I happen to have played 400 days. So the five episodes made me think, okay, it's definitely an episodic game, which would lead me to Telltale Games or whatever. But yeah, 400 days. I remember being a standalone DLC little extra story because funnily enough as a series that's a game that I've played the first uh, Walking Dead and I've played 400 days but I haven't played the next uh, two games I think even though I have them so I really should get around to playing them one day because they're really good <laughs> but they're kind of scary as well so. <laughs> and yeah the choices are interesting in that too like the first comment said where didn't make huge amounts of difference and I don't think they do actually I think the main story is still the main story no matter what it just kind of depending on what you do will change who's there with you at the end basically yeah that's what I've heard which is yeah it's still fun and it's still good but uh yeah it's not it's not like um well like I guessed um heavy rain which of of course has lots of problems but there's a lot more choice in that and things do change quite drastically so yeah anyway two more points i'm only three behind at least for another week <laughs> let's see if next week i can make that difference figure <laughs> jump ahead some more mm -hmm. <laughs> no? that's good that, that actually got me oh now i want to play the other walking dead games <laughs> might have to give them a go but, uh... well i may know what's on your playing list for next week yeah, yeah don't, don't count on it but it's an idea <laughs> like i say there are other things it's that thing as well where i've already started enough i try not to start new stuff until i've finished other things but that doesn't always work out so we'll see yeah. i'm trying to finish things before <laughs> i start other things but it doesn't always work because there's so much to choose from and at the end of the day it's games we're meant to be having fun there's no prizes for you know, doing anything any particular way. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe there are. I mean, it would be cool if there were. Maybe the real twist is 
when you when you're on your deathbed, they do tally up your gaming history and reward you accordingly. With more games. <laughs> you bring your your buckle to the other side. <laughs> so Polar's afterlife is gonna just be Otome <laughs> forever. <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be mad about it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But that'll do us for this week. Uh, as always, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like to request or even something you'd like to hear, have, have, something you'd like us to discuss and perhaps even include you in on. That could be fun. Uh, but always, yeah, leave your comments wherever you find the podcast. And, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.